Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Wow, what a wonderful day to be able to welcome you again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of my dear friend, Elder David Wise. And as our churches, which were advertised in the introduction, are open at 10.30 a.m. for worship every Sunday morning, we invite you to come to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church or a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. We invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and find Frequently Asked Questions, a church locator, wonderful links, and the archived messages that we have preached on this broadcast before. We invite you to go and make use of that. And also, while you're there, send us an email and let us know that you're listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, We invite you to join with us every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at New Covenant Church, 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. And we have a Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship meeting on the grounds of New Covenant Church, and we invite you to come and meet with us. And if you also will go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and uh, activate the notifications, you'll be notified of all of our live streaming of our worship services, and we invite you to join us anytime. Today, we have a series of messages that we are addressing, a proper exposition of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. And after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. Thank you so much for staying tuned with me here at the Gospel Grace Radio Broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James translation to 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is the second message in a series that is uh, in an effort to give a proper exposition of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25, to try to make you see the proper application of it. Now, We read last time, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because that is, as it is written, I'm sorry, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And if ye call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish 
and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Regarding that passage of scripture last time, if you'll remember, we talked about how Peter exhorts you to a holy life, believer in Jesus Christ. He exhorts you to a holy life because God is your father, okay? And because he has called you to that life. That calling is the effectual call. You've been called by the father. Therefore, you have the right to call on the father. You know, the word of God teaches us very plainly that the only way we call Abba Father in an intimate and a needing way and in a way of intimacy is because we've already been given the spirit of adoption. So here he's not exhorting anyone to live a holy life as a means to the end of gaining everlasting life. No, he's saying you live a holy life because you've been given everlasting life through your father and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you were redeemed by that blood. And we spent a good bit of time trying to show you how that blood redeemed. It's not, my friends, offered for anyone to accept it and make it effective today. No, that blood was offered by Jesus Christ through the eternal spirit unto God the Father. And it was accepted by God the Father as the appropriate payment and for the purging of the sins of all of his children. You see, he's only the father unto those who are his children. So you see, my friends, uh, as we stressed last time in our last message, not every human being is a child of the father, but you must be of the father. He has brought you into his family, having loved you before the foundation of the world. Now, my friends, knowing all of that, we read verse 20 from our text in 1 Peter chapter 1. Speaking of Christ, who verily, truly, is what that means, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. There's a big difference between manifesting and offering. Okay, again, I do not believe that eternal life has been offered to all of mankind. The Bible will not hold that up. But I can tell you, Jesus came and he manifested himself unto his children. He died for them and he was raised from the dead for them. And he has been declared by scripture and by history and even in the inner being and the hearts and souls of all of his children through the testimony of the Holy Spirit, he was made manifest in these last times for you. And now notice verse 21, who by him, that means who by Jesus Christ, do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Notice there, dear friends, Peter is affirming when he says that, who by him do believe in God? Peter is affirming the absolute necessity of Jesus Christ because friends, if you're a believer today, you couldn't believe without him because without Christ's power already worked in you, you'd never even believe God. Now notice, I didn't say believe there is a God. Romans chapter one teaches very plainly that all of mankind has an innate knowledge of his creation, that he's been created and that there is a creator. But that's a far cry from believing in God. You see, by Jesus Christ, you believe God. Uh, you believe in God. 
You don't just believe there is a God. No, I'm telling you, a dead alien sinner with a half-working brain should be able to be honest with himself and society and say, yes, obviously, all of this creation in which we live did not come around accidentally. It had to be created. We've never seen anything be created, so it had to be created in the beginning. It's not an ongoing process. But there's a big difference between that and believing God, believing in God. And that, my friends, if you're able to do today, and I trust that you are, if you're sitting here under the sound of my voice and you're listening to this message, that you believe God because the power of Jesus Christ already is working that in you. He has opened your cold, dead mind and heart to be able to understand not only pragmatically, but most importantly, spiritually, the reality of the everlasting God and your necessity of being saved from your own fallen and vain and pitiful state. Notice in Matthew chapter 11, the words of Jesus Christ. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my father. What are those all things? He goes on and says, and no man. So I'm here to tell you today that all things delivered unto Jesus Christ by the father are all the men or all of the uh, individuals called the elect in the word of God. All things are delivered unto me of my father and no man knoweth the son, but the father, neither knoweth any man, the father save the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. What is he saying here? Who is it that's been able to see the father in heaven in all of his glory? Only the son. Okay. That's right. The no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. I'll tell you, Jesus Christ is the only one uh, who has been able to see the Father in the fullness of his glory. And he said, neither knoweth any man the Father. Any man, I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, we, under the sound of my voice, uh, you can't even know and believe in him as your Father. That's capital F, A-T-H-E-R. We covered this on the last message in this series. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Do you believe in God the Father today, and you believe Jesus Christ is his Son? Well, my friends, you can only believe that because the Son is already in you and has revealed him unto you. The same is spoken of in John 5, 24. Jesus plainly declared, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth, on him that sent me. That means if you're able to hear my word and you're able to believe on him that sent me, does that mean you're now going to gain everlasting life? No. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, H-A-T-H, everlasting life. That means it's already in possession of. I'll tell you, if you hear the words of the preaching of the gospel, if you believe on God the Father, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you see him as the precious lamb of God, that means, my friends, you're not doing that to gain everlasting life. That means you've already got it. You had to already have everlasting life before you could ever come to the realization of those wonderful eternal truths and shall not come into condemnation, but is, that means already is, passed from death unto life. Notice Romans chapter eight. For to be carnally minded is death. What is a carnal mind? A carnal mind is the mind that we're born in this world, conceived in this world with. It's fallen in sin. Unless it's been born again of the spirit and shown things by the eternal spirit of God, my friends, if you've not been born again, then you are still dwelling in a carnal mind. 
All of your mindset will be carnal. All of your desires will be carnal. All of your words and ways at their very root and base will be carnally based. So he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It means it hates God. It's an enemy against God. The carnal mind, the way we're born in this world, there's no way we can love God. You're certainly not going to believe God. You're not going to believe and trust in God. You hate God. You don't trust him. He's your enemy. In the carnal mind, he said, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But, oh, here's good news. But ye are not in the flesh. That means that's not your state anymore. That's not the way you are. You're not anymore. I'll tell you, if you've been changed from the way you were born in this world, and you're now seeing spiritual things and loving uh, the Savior uh, who saved you from your sins and is the only Savior uh, that you could have from your sins, your only hope of going to heaven, he said, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit presently. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So you see, friends, if you have any knowledge, trust, belief in uh, God the Father and Jesus Christ today, it's because it had to be revealed by Jesus Christ who is already in you. He dwelleth in you. Because notice he said that's the difference between being fleshly and spiritual. If the Spirit of God dwell in you, immediately that change is made. We call it immediate Holy Spirit regeneration. Now, from our text, next, Peter refers to a purification that the believer has performed because of trusting obedience to this truth that he's heard. That's right. That purification is acquired by somebody who believes this uh, word that he's heard, the preaching of the gospel, the reality of salvation, trusts in Jesus Christ and obeys the truth. Because notice he says, seeing that ye have purified your souls, ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, firstly, what you need to understand is whatever this purification alludes to was obtained through the Holy Spirit. I read it again. I read it again. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. All right? So whatever this purification is, whatever this trusting and believing in the truth acquired for you, I'll tell you, it had to be through the Holy Spirit, not to the Holy Spirit. There's a vast difference between through and to. Okay, if you had to believe these things and do these things to get to the Holy Spirit, which is some people claim in the name of Christ, this is something, some of those believe that. They say that you do all of these holy, righteous things to finally be born again. Friends, the order of the scripture is you can't do those things or want to do those things until you've already been born again. So notice the believing and the trusting and the obeying of the truth was through the Holy Spirit, not to the Holy Spirit. This cannot pertain to your action obtaining eternal purification from your sins before God because that eternal cleansing is applied by God immediately when the Spirit enters you. It's not a process. It's immediate. That means not only is it fast 
regarding time. It's immediate regarding time, but it's also immediate. It means there's no other mediator. God does it all himself. Immediate Holy Spirit regeneration. We see examples of this in the scripture being spoken of. Romans chapter eight, verse nine, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So here he says, you've been taken from the flesh wherein you were born and now you're in the spirit. What made the difference? How did it get, how'd you get from one place to the other? But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God gives you a process and guides you through the 10 step plan, balderdash and poppycock, no. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. What's the difference, child of God, between the nature in which you were born in this world in and the spiritual nature that you now enjoy being born again by the Spirit of God? The only difference was not anything you did, but as a countryman would say, but what was did in you? That means when the Holy Spirit came in you immediately, that changed you. That changed your nature. That gave you the spirit of adoption whereby your heart cries, Abba, Father, and you were immediately brought fully into the family of God in a vital way. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Oh, people hate the plain language of the scripture, but I'll tell you when you see how low and unworthy and weak and frail you are in your person, you'll love that plain language that gives all the honor and the glory to the Lord in salvation. John chapter three, verses three through five, Jesus answered and said unto him, I'm sorry, three and five, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, many people say, here, I want to show you the kingdom so you can be born again. Jesus Christ said, you can't even see the merits, the joys, the power of the kingdom of God and your need of salvation, except you already be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in verse five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, and I posit for you that water and the spirit are synonymous. That's not talking about the waters of, uh, of baptism into the church. No, that water is uh, synonymous in that passage of scripture, I believe, with the Holy Spirit of God. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So not only without being born again, can you not see the kingdom of God, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. And all the evangelists who stand up and say, dead alien sinner, I'm here giving you an invitation, uh, come into the kingdom of God. How could they do that when they can't see it and they don't have any power to enter into it? You see, men can really mess up what the Bible plainly lays forth. In John 5 and 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall get a little bit better and work their way to living. No, it doesn't read that way at all, friends. I'm being silly. I know. I read it the way it is written. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. You see, a dead man can't hear. But I'm going to tell you what, when the Lord makes him alive by the Spirit of God, okay, when he speaks with his voice in the dead alien sinner, he immediately makes him alive. And those that have been blessed to hear and to know the things of God, they shall live. They're not on their way to living. They're already spiritually alive. Heaven's going to be their home. Blood is applied to them. The Spirit will dwell in them forevermore. Oh, friends, heaven will be their home without the loss of one, because God is the one doing the business. Notice in Titus chapter three, verses five through six, 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, many people read that and say, see, yeah, I believe I was washed in regeneration and I was renewed by the Holy Ghost, but it was because I heard the gospel, I believed the gospel, I confessed my belief and came forward and I was uh, quickened, born again. No, friends, notice, if you heard it, believed it, confessed it, and acted upon the gospel, then my friends, those are works of righteousness, aren't they? I don't think they're works of unrighteousness, are they? I mean, just be plain. Let's just look at it with common sense, just common horse sense. If all of those things are necessary for you to get to that point, then there were some works of righteousness that you had to do to get to that point. But brother Paul wrote to Titus and said, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according. That means it's in harmony to holy, his mercy. He saved us. And how did he save you? By offering you anything? No, he washed you and renewed you. He did it by the power of the Holy Ghost. And how did he do it? On what basis did he do that? He shed that on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. No, again, not to Jesus Christ, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, I want to close with a few references of that through. Remember, whatever this purification is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25, that you obtained by trusting and obeying the gospel, remember, this whole message has been teaching you how it is through the Spirit, not to the Spirit. Big difference in being through something and doing something to get to that thing, okay? Other references in the Word of God of the, this concept of through, all right? Notice Hebrews chapter 13, and I've just picked out a few of them. There are many, 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 but we're just not going to burden you. We're just going to bring forward a few examples. Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Notice that through. Now he says, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight to Jesus Christ. No, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here he says, uh, you know, it is the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's already through the blood of Jesus, all right, that you are able to, to be made perfect in every good work. That means mature, full grown in every good work to do his will. See, he's working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And how does he do it? He does it through Jesus Christ. See, the religious world today would say, you've got to do all these wonderful things that are well-pleasing in his sight to get to Jesus Christ and his redeeming love and his redemption. No, we can only do these things through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. John chapter three, verses 17 through 18. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Again, this must be the world of his elect. Not every uh, person of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. No, this is the world of God's elect. But that the world, that means that huge number of people whom the Lord wanted to have in heaven with him. He said, for God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, 
Unfortunately, many people think that's what the gospel's for. We've got to publish the gospel out there and give people a chance to be saved. And then you'll ask those people, what happens if they never hear the gospel? Oh, they'll be saved just by grace. Well, why in the world are you condemning them to hell by delivering the gospel to them? You see how silly false doctrine is. It'll just tie you up in knots of foolishness and heresy. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. My friends, what's a sign of one who has already been given something, salvation through Jesus Christ? It's that this person believes on him. But yet what is a sign, a symptom of somebody who's never had this salvation through Jesus Christ. He's already condemned. You don't have to preach the gospel to him to condemn him. He's already condemned. And his unbelief is an evidence of that. Notice in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. He didn't say, known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, we're preaching unto you the forgiveness of sins that you can get to this man, Jesus Christ. He said, know that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are, not will be, are justified, declared just from all things which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Acts chapter 18, verse 27. And when he, and this is referring to Apollos, that preacher, and when he or Apollos was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed. How did they believe? Did they believe so they could get in the grace of God? No, they believed through grace. Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You don't become justified to get to that redemption. My friends, you can only justify it freely because that redemption has been given to you. Oh, you see, you're justified freely through the redemption. And remember that redemption took place when he shed his blood that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.13, for if he lived after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. How can you ever get to the point of saying, I don't want to live the life I've lived thus far. I see how big of a sinner I am. I see how much of a wretched, no good, bushwhacking sinner I am. And I want to live according to the uh, word of Jesus Christ. How can you do that? How is it, my friends, that you could go from wanting to live after the flesh, okay, wherein is death, but now you all of a sudden... You want to mortify the deeds of the body. It means you want to proclaim death to those things. You hate them. You see the rottenness of them. How do you get to that point? It's not to the Spirit. It's through the Spirit. Oh, brothers and sisters, remember, this purification through obedience is not, uh, my friends, to the Spirit of God. It is through the Spirit of God, and that carries with it some profound scriptural eternal truths that it's been done for you already by the power of the Lord. And now there's a purification to be had. And we'll talk about what that purification is in the next time we speak for you here on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. God bless you all.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.